Did you know VIP season ticket subscribers have access to this workshop and hundreds more in streaming video, MP3 download, audio CD, executive white paper summary, and podcast formats? Visit vip.dealersedge.com for more information. Year after year, some of the most active threads in the Dealer's Edge Service Manager Forum and other automotive discussion sites involve the financial analysis of service department performance. But if service managers were meant to be accountants, they'd be working somewhere else. Even so, accounting and financial analysis are essential skills for successful service professionals. And now more than ever, dealership service directors and managers must become experts in analyzing their businesses so they can plot the proper course. Today's program is designed to feature not only the basics of business math in the service department, but also to assist in planning for profit improvements in the face of future market, market uncertainties. Make sure you have a calculator and your financial statement info handy. Rob Campbell and Lewis Young will show us some real world examples for how to outline your service department financial goals when presenting them to the dealer and general manager. We'll see how to calculate the many ratios used in service, like fixed absorption, net to gross, cost of sales, semi-fixed expenses, and many, many more. And we'll get close to, closer to learning how to crunch the numbers like a pro. Today's goal is to go beyond merely describing how to calculate analytical ratios, and we want to delve into the ways fixed operations managers can use these figures to achieve better results. So now let's bring on Rob Campbell and Lewis Young, Rob, I believe you're up first, so why don't you take over from here? Mike, before I jump into how we would generally do that path, I just wanted to make sure there weren't any questions about some of the math we just went over. Okay, well, we have a good question from the audience. When we're looking at these expenses, departmental expenses, we have, and you asked the question, what, what does the manager actually have control over? So you've got semi-fixed expenses and fixed expenses where the a service manager or a parts manager may have limited control over what those are. Uh, in many cases in the dealership, the, the controller or financial officer allocates expenses to the department. That's so the question point. is, is there such a thing as a normal allocation of expenses in a dealership across new used parts service uh, and, and one with a body shop? Uh, and what, what might the allocation be? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and that's probably a, uh, an entire um, uh, webinar itself. But um, there's a few ways to do it. And obviously, the factories each have their own uh, suggested allocations. Um, you can do it a, a number of ways. You can look at square footage, how much uh, square footage is the department taking up. Um, you can look at gross profit, uh, comparison of gross profit across the board. You could look at sales, um, how does that um, compare in terms of prorating sales to each department. Um, again, there's no hard and fast way to do that, and, and it is a great question. And it's probably something that should be reviewed to make sure that it falls within one of those parameters. But, but generally, uh, the factory is going to give you a lot of um, help in terms of getting that, that allocation, getting that chart of accounts set up. Yeah, generally, Mike, I find that um, 
most manufacturers in their accounting guide will base it on gross profit percentage by the de departments. So if, you know, 20% of the gross profit comes from service, they're going to get 20% of the fixed expenses. And as Lou said, I just want you to kind of revisit that every year because it changes. I know recently I sat down and reallocated for a store. Um, they had way more expenses going to used than were, you know, uh, justified at, at the time. Um, <clears throat> their gross contribution had changed over the years. Where we get a little bit of difficulty is, let's say your manufacturer says, uh, spread it out based on, on gross contribution, gross profit contribution, and then I join a 20 group and they say they want it on square footage. Right, right. That, that's where I start to get a little wacky because I don't know what it should be. But it absolutely, the answer, the answer that it can't be is based on that department's ability to pay. Right, right. All right, so if it's arbitrary and not based on something that's either gross or square footage or something that's measurable, then it's not really real. And that's a discussion that your your service manager is going to have with the office manager and, and the general manager to make sure that um, that's staying in line. Okay. So All right. Any uh, other another, questions, Mike? Yeah, another one. Uh, could we go back to slide seven? Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it? All right. Uh, okay, so this is one. This is where the uh, gross profit percentage is 51.65. Okay. Yeah. 51.65. So that's, that's pretty weak. Yeah. Um, but if you look across that line, you see that the, the place is doing 1.87 hours customer pay per repair order. Yeah. And, and over two hours per repair order, uh, total. And, and those numbers don't look too bad. Uh, so, you know, am I right in saying that, that two hours in RO is okay? Um, we are. We were. We'll talk about hours per okay. RO, but let's All just right. talk about it here. Effective labor rate is low. Effective okay. labor rate is low, and right. again, the other side of this is let's just say the the average you know tech is uh, you know costing us forty bucks an hour, then that's going to throw us off. Where I normally get into this when we see low gross here. And, and decent hours per RO here, probably what we have is a menu system that rewards the techs more than it does the shop. So let's talk about a competitive service like a break job where I can't really go over $150 labor, but yet I still flag my tech two hours or over two hours to do that job. Well, I, I have a, a, a constraint on how much I can charge, but the tech still wants the full effective, you know, the full labor time. And this is where my tires start getting slashed by text when I tell them we can't pay you two hours anymore, we can only pay you less. And I normally do that again because I will, I will pull out the dealer's information and say, look, this is how they're able to get to that gross and this is why you can't. It's because you're over, in this case, probably over rewarding the tech at the cost of the shop. And if you slash those tires, Rob, the, when you replace those tires, it's gonna yeah, exactly. really cost you because the markup on the tires is very low. Exactly. Other All questions, right. Mike? All right. Well, that's a good analysis. Let's go to the next slide, slide eight. Okay. Okay. So here we're looking at um, at our at our labor rates for ver the various labor categories. 
so internal is down at $45.80. That's crazy, yeah. Uh, okay. And but that's the dealer's choice. Uh, okay. So that's, I guess that's the question that's being asked is, when you see the when you see the labor rates all over the place like this, what what do you normally recommend? Or the dealer says that's okay. I want let's keep internal low because I want to sell those used. used it'll be easier to sell used cars. Uh, I just, I will I will allow the dealer to set whatever rate he wants okay. to keep harmony within the store. I will tell him though that every deal works from cost up, and I have proven in dealership groups over and over again when those that had artificially low internal rates and those that were charging full retail for their internal, that that gross that we captured with that full retail was maintained through the car. So in other words, whether we recon that thing at 40 bucks an hour or 100 bucks an hour, we still made 1,800 bucks running gross on the used car. I'd have to say the other thing that jumps out at me here, Rob, is the hours for internal, the hours sold. Um, yeah. Very high at this store. <clears throat> I don't know why it's so high relative to the other um, categories. So um, that would be something that I would want to look at. Yeah, because yeah, it's going to drive down their overall results. I know why, because this, I think if I remember right, this was a little Kia store that did all the reconditioning for the rest of the dealer group, and that's why it was run through that way. But, but definitely think, we'd look through it. Think about it, though, um, whether it's warranty or internal, if your labor rates are well below your customer pay, you're, you're basically costing yourself dollars by allocating resources to internal work and warranty work instead of doing that uh, customer pay repair work. So it's something to look at. You have to look at the mix of work. Absolutely. Yeah. Additional, Mike? Uh, yeah, one more question and then we'll get back sure. into it. Yeah. Uh, okay, while financial statements are broken out by make, for multi-line service departments, the expenses are not. Okay, and as I read that, I'm thinking, does that mean, is that, are we talking there, we're breaking out sales and revenue by make, but expenses are, are being combined. Okay. Do you think, in your experience, do you see multi-line dealers reporting their entire service department expense to each of their OEMs instead of trying to break out the expense by make? Uh, that doesn't sound right. So let's talk about a couple different things, Lou. Let's talk about a campus dealership that's in a single location with multi-brands, multi-rooftops there. Would they show sales and gross of, of a Kia store, but then lump all the expenses for all the other franchises on that financial statement as well? No. No. Nobody would do that that you would show eight losers instead of eight, you know, doing okays. Now, would we, how would we allocate those expenses between the different franchises? Again, we're probably back to the same old, probably gross size, you know. You know, when we go into a dealership, we're, we're looking beyond the financial statement. We're gonna get into the trial balance and see, you know, where some of these expenses are allocated. Right. Um, so, you know, you, you can, when you dig a little deeper, you will find um, you know, the, 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 all of these costs and expenses laid out by the factory, by the uh, franchise. Um, okay, so let me restate, uh, we, uh, the uh, fellow in the audience re rephrased his question. Okay. Okay, service, I should have said service sales are broken out by make in a multi-line shop. 
Okay. But the expenses are not broken out by make. Got it. Right. I understand. Okay. Now. Yep. So, should do most dealers then submit the entire service department expense to each of their OEMs rather than breaking them out? And he's talking here about a multi-line uh, operation under the same roof. Uh, so you've got maybe three or four franchises uh, being sold out of the same building. Still seems odd to me, Lou. Just, yeah. just that question. So I, I, let's just say I have a Ford Subaru store. That's a good example. Ford Subaru. And I am showing my Ford labor sales at the top in gross, but then I have the combined of Ford and Subaru expenses there. Generally, though, we would have in that other make yeah. service. So I, I'm that's, that's one financial statement for both stores, Rob. Yeah. So I mean, the, the bottom line, Mike, is you 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 could you could do that if you're breaking out the uh, financial statement for each of the makes. Um, so that that could be done. How it's how it's done, um, you know, would have to be a discussion with the office manager. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm trying to remember some that I've worked on. There was a Chevy Buick BMW store, and they actually issue se separate financial statements for each franchise, and then, but they also combine them. Uh, yeah, we, right, we have the stores that have consolidated, yeah. 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 Uh, okay, so they did break them out, try to break them out separately anyway. Okay, does the, does the union shop versus non-union um, come into play here? Are there, are there major differences there? Are there major differences? In, in uh, a macro, uh, yes, of course. There are additional costs and restrictions on a union shop that would cause their gross and all that stuff to be lower. Have I seen a union shop do 82% gross? Absolutely, sure. absolutely. So it, 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 it does impact if I just took one random shop and said one was union and one was not, of course I would expect the union shop to have a little bit lower gross. That just happens to be what they are, what they are, and I have to figure out other ways to get around that. But that doesn't mean absolutely proof that a union shop's always going to be lower. Yeah, I, I agree with Rob there. Okay. So, Mike, with that, I think we're right at our one hour. We probably have four or five minutes for some more questions if people have them. Uh, okay. First, uh, a sound check. Can you hear me? Yes, yeah, we got you. Mike. I can't hear. You. No. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, something went wrong with the phones. So okay. I'm, I'm on the uh, computer speakers. Okay. Okay. Um, I guess the only other question I have here we have here is has to do with using uh, taking advantage of of service manager clubs, regional service manager clubs. Yep. Uh, do they still exist? They do. In fact, uh, I would say they're back to a certain okay. extent. Um, and there's some 20 groups, obviously, that are out there, but you're talking about more regional. Um, usually it's by make, and uh, it's a quarterly meeting, and, you know, you bring a speaker in and you, you discuss things, um, and perhaps you, you bring Rob in and, and you run through the, uh, this presentation, uh, math and, and financial analysis for the service managers. I have found, Mike, in our market, um, the, the old school by make, which were in the past primarily run by the manufacturers. I mean, they, it was the service manager's club, but they facilitated a lot of that stuff. Uh, may not exist as well as they used to. Uh, that's unfortunate because by make, is, it would obviously be the best. You can talk about things that matter to that store. 
the other side of that is there are a number of state and local dealer associations that will do kind of service managers clubs. So if you're even in a rural area or something and you belong to your state association, I'm sure somebody visits you and maybe they can get together. We'll all meet at one store and, and talk about stuff. What are you doing about X, Y, and Z? Philadelphia is a good example. They Philadelphia have a very, is a good example. Very good fixed operations club, so to speak. But but even Pencil PAA, they you know they're roving people that go around. If they want to put together a service manager or controller workshop, they'll just pick a store and tell everybody, and they'll they'll all show up. By make would be best, but that's what I'm seeing most things that are happening now. Okay, is, is it advisable then for uh, for the managers in those groups? Uh, to compare information, some of the things that we've been talking about today to see how they're doing compared to other people in their in their area. Why, do you uh, want and, a collusion and, lawsuit? Yeah, do you ever get, do you run up close to uh, questions of, of uh, collusion or price fixing? Well, so when I do these things, I do them as a comparative. So I'm not saying, when we get into collusion, it is, Lou's Volkswagen sits down with Rob's Volkswagen, and Lou says, hey, let's not pay more than 22 bucks an hour for text. Let's not charge more than $150 for this job. But if I get in front of a group and say, look, the average Volkswagen store in your market is $199 for a brake job, and they pay $1.8. And if you're at $150, obviously, based on the math, you might need to go up to the average or realize that perhaps you, it wouldn't hurt if you raised your prices a little bit. So I generally, I, I actually don't even do it as, I used to do a disclaimer when I did these to say, these are only averages. I will tell you when it's a benchmark or something that I've seen in the area. It's not meant to set prices. And if there's anything that you or your dealer would feel uncomfortable sharing, like maybe your pricing or cost structure, then don't. I mean, I usually started the meetings with that little disclaimer, and I've never had any issues come up where a dealer got mad or tax got mad or anything like that. Okay. All right. Uh, I think that's the end of our questions for today. John, did you have any more? No, I'm clear. Great. Uh, okay. So uh, the end of our questions means we're at the end of today's workshop. Uh, so we'll be signing off for today. I'd like to thank all of you for attending. Uh, we had a nice turnout this afternoon, and uh, we appreciate you spending the last hour or more uh, with us. We know that's not easy when you're working at a dealership, and we appreciate you doing that and spending the time with Dealer's Edge. I'd like to offer special thanks to Rob Campbell and Lou Young of Witham, Smith & Brown uh, for taking their time today to put today's workshop together uh, and for sharing their expertise and experience. Uh, and as I say, they, they work very closely with dealers uh, in the uh, – in the mid-Atlantic area mostly, I guess, but um, but they have a good insight as to what's going on. So uh, feel free to call them and contact them to, to pick their brains a little bit and see if they can provide some help if, you're, if you see that you're maybe not quite measuring up. Uh, Rob, while, while we still have you, could, could you put some contact information up if you have Oh, sure. Um, well, they can always okay. email me at our camp. At R. Campbell at Witham. It's still wrong, but let me go back and fix it. Did it is it's just R. Campbell. There we go. Okay. All right. So just there's one R. email address. Uh, if you want to I know. I can't change it. <laughs> is it spelled wrong? I put it I put it in the chat. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. It's in the chat. 
Just put your phone number down real quick. If I knew my phone number, it's 372-379-5274. Perfect. That's my direct line. That's great. Okay. All right, so feel free to give, give Rob a call. Uh, he's happy to talk about these things and, and, uh, and, and maybe point you in the right direction. I love so to talk I, about these things. That's what I look for. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, thank you, guys. And thanks, everybody in the audience. I'll be signing off for now. Did you know VIP season ticket subscribers have access to this workshop and hundreds more in streaming video, MP3 download, audio CD, executive white paper summary, and podcast formats? Visit VIP.dealersedge.com for more information.